Hello and welcome to the Ortho Show. It's day two of the Ortho Summit in wonderful Las Vegas, Nevada. So we're coming to you once again from the Bellagio Hotel and Casino. I'm getting a little bit tired now, but Mika, if you can let us know. We caught up with lots of people today, uh, but who are we going to feature here first on the show? Well, yesterday we had our young guns and today it's our top guns. We'll kick off with Professor Rene Verdunk. Uh, hello there, uh, this is uh, René Verdonc. I am uh, actually uh, an emeritus professor from uh, the Ghent State University Orthopedics Department. And uh, actually I still uh, am working at the uh, university in Brussels as a consultant. Uh, so uh, retirement doesn't really mean retirement for me right now. So my passion is uh, on the meniscus, which I've been... Uh, going through my whole career and uh, to tell you the truth I started with uh, how to do a total meniscectomy because at that time uh, that was the rule and then it evolved progressively and then we started to repair the meniscus and now uh, we are doing allografts for meniscal replacement or implants for meniscal replacement but the baseline is and remains that uh, the lower leg should be well aligned and stable because it doesn't mean to do anything about the meniscus if you have crooked legs or if you have unstable knee joints. So um, my interest here in the, in the, the presentations is uh, on some tricks, how to keep the meniscus uh, fixed in athletes' situations. And uh, we'll also talking about the uh, ActiFit, which is a replacement of the meniscus for partial meniscectomy that remains painful it happens so dr verdunk i don't want to start off by annoying you but perhaps uh, you could give me some thoughts but i on, will but I, <laughs> um, your, some thoughts on the research that's been coming out of finland over the last five six years on uh, operative versus non-operative treatment of uh, meniscus in finland you mean yes why Finland? Well, aren't those the ones that are coming out saying that uh, non-operative is as effective as operative treatment? Ah, but uh, these are interesting studies, but uh, you should look closely at their results. They're somehow biased because there are, how do you call it, patients that were conservatively treated and then required surgery afterwards. Okay. So, um, but anyway, it's uh, good that you put up that question because um, people can read the ESCA consensus, mm -hmm. as we call it, on meniscectomy in degenerative menisci. And uh, we've also finished uh, a uh, consensus on traumatic meniscal uh, uh, treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the degenerative, indeed, very much so. Uh, we try to avoid meniscectomy because we know it doesn't really help. And uh, unless, unless these individuals, usually 40, 50, 60 years of age, have uh, really a mechanical derangement. But it's difficult sometimes to patients that are active, have pain in the knee joint because of an MRI showing a degenerative meniscus, to tell them to wait and do nothing or just follow some physiotherapy. So it's not only Finland. Finland did some kind of a extremely uh, well-done studies, mm -hmm. but there is a little bias there. But we do less meniscectomy yep. uh, than we did uh, 20 years ago. That's very much so. 
if you had a if you had a key message, a key takeaway from the talks that you're not only giving here, but I'm sure that you're called upon to lecture all over the world, um, you know, specific to the to the <coughs> meniscus and the, the surgery and re- rehabilitation of what what would that what would that be for for you know surgeons who are less experienced than yourself? Uh, it's it's uh, very simple. The ESCA, the European Society for Knee Surgery and Arthroscopy, has a bold statement: take the risk of failure which means that uh, when you're confronted with a meniscal uh, lesion and you go in and, and, and you find out it's a lesion and then uh, it's a relatively young individual to repair the meniscus. Repair it and uh, expect for the best. So take the risk of failure because we know that uh, in studies from uh, Pujol and Bouffis in France have investigated that when you are or you have to go back do a second arthroscopy because your suture didn't really work you resect less than you would have resected in the first place so take the risk of failure and you should explain that to the patient but uh, this is the way how do you can preserve meniscal tissue in place as long as you can so that that would be that's my uh, our statement. Well, that was a real honor getting to talk to Professor Verdunk. Not something I thought that he would ever <laughs> want to do. Come on the, the good old Ortho show, but good for and him. What a, what a great guy! Super nice, super nice chap. And like you said uh, at the top of today's show, today we're dealing with all the top guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up, Doctor Jack Farr. I'm Doctor Jack Farr. I reside in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm with a group called OrthoIndy. I think in the last 10 years, uh, the, the use of microfracture mm-hmm. has markedly diminished. I mean, yeah. if, if you look in the U.S. at least, that is the number one, quote, cartilage restoration. Uh, the long-term results, though. Right? And the long-term, even the mid-term results. Yeah. If, in most of the studies, if, especially for lesions that are greater than four centimeters squared, um, they really start tapering off at two years, and, and at five years even more so. So, the the group um, in Germany published in 2007. They were looking at different size, uh, sex, position. So they found that it does horribly at the patella, mm. and if you're going to do it the femur or the trochlea, it probably needs to be less than two centimeters squared. To me, that's still a fairly large lesion. Um, more recent studies have, have shown some of the problems with microfracture. Uh, number one, the standard awl actually is sort of conical, so it has a tip, and it actually pushes the cancellous bone away, and it, it condenses it. So it actually sort of clot or clogs off some of the channels for the ingrowth of pluripotential cells. So that's one thing that have gone either to drilling or nanofracture. Mm-hmm. And then the depth, most microfracture is only going down just past the subchondral bone plate. And you really need to go down 6 to maybe even 10 millimeters mm-hmm. to really get the, an ample source of the pluripotential cells that are going to participate in healing. And as the microfracture actually fractures the cancellous bone, it in many times will elicit a, quote, healing response. And what do you get? Well, bone heals with bone. Mm-hmm. And so that's why... Some people have reported up to 30% chance or 30% potential of intralesional osteophytes mm-hmm. when you're doing a microfracture. So I, I think more people are now are doing these either drilling, so maybe one millimeter holes 
and no six to ten millimeters deep. Pardon? There's no issue with the heat from the drilling? Um, so that has been looked at, and they have not yeah. seen thermal necrosis with that. And uh, how important then is the rehab following these surgeries? So the rehab, regardless of you're talking about microfracture, ACI or Macy or osteochondral allograft or any of these new experimental is key. I tell patients I'm planting a garden. Now you and a therapist have to get the garden to grow. And if you don't tend to your garden, it's not going to grow properly, if, if at all. So these, um, each, each lesion is going to have a little different rehabilitation program. Um, if you're looking at cell therapy, that has a completely different rehabilitation than an osteochondral allograft. There's differences between patellofemoral compartment and the tibiofemoral compartment. Most people are allowing people immediate weight bearing with patellofemoral, at least with a knee extended in a brace. Whereas tibiofemoral, it's controversial. Most mm-hmm. people are some degree of partial weight bearing for four to six weeks, and that's changing all the time. But mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with concomitant pathology and uh, size of the lesion. Good. Well, Dr. Farr, thank you so much for joining us. I have no doubt that once this episode releases, the author show will be the making of your career. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks thank you. again. <laughs>